the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody, another Al Gatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. That's right. We got a great show for you, and it is a bit of a long run, right? We got news and notes to get to, but first, how can you follow me? It's easy on Twitter at Al Gatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A double T U double L O, Facebook dot com slash AG Craft Beer Cast via email at Albert G at NYC Radio dot com. Don't forget iTunes, Google Play. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find all the shows. On those platforms, although Google Play is getting ready to go, and I'm very disappointed about that. Alexa Ready as well. We're on Radio.com. We're on iHeartRadio and the Hopped Up Network as well. Head over to thehoppedupnetwork.com. You can listen to the podcast version of this program, um, you know, before 6 a.m. on Monday morning. Sometimes I put it up in the middle of the night. But, uh, you know, you get to hear the um, the full podcast version of the show uh, not too long after uh, this show airs on Sunday nights. Coming up in 20 minutes, Alexis Deegan. She's the executive director of the New Jersey Brewers Association. She will join me. There's lots going on with brewers, and the legislature in New Jersey will dive into all of that about 20 minutes from now. The long run from the Eagles. Been a while since, uh, actually, since I heard that one. I just wanted to pop that on. Um, funny story. That's Don Henley uh, doing the vocals. And uh, real quick story, for those of you just joining the program, when I started in the radio business, I started at the uh, legendary rock radio station in New York City, uh, 102.7 WNEW-FM, the place where rock lived at one time for a very long time. And um, it was a station I grew up with. And I was excited because I got to work on the Rock and Roll Morning Show with Dave Herman, who woke me up every morning, breakfast with the Beatles and uh, J- uh, Bruce Juice and all the, all the other great things that made NEW great. And so one of my jobs as uh, an intern there was uh, to assist the promotions department sometimes in events. And one of the events happened to be Scott Muni's um, week of Rocktober shows at the original Hard Rock Cafe on 57th Street. So, and perfect timing since we are in October, right? And uh, on one of the days that I worked, Don Henley was one of the featured guests. So I actually got to hang out with Don Henley for a couple of minutes um, before he left, waiting for his car to pick him up. And uh, he and I uh, had a nice little conversation. He had played the Walden Wood show the night before with him, Billy Joel, and Sting. And um, we actually imbibed in um, marijuana. I'm not ashamed to admit it. We smoked a joint together, and it was a lot of fun uh, getting high with Don Henley. So that's my uh, sort of my, my Don Henley moment. It was great. Had a good time with him. And then uh, about half hour later, I got to hang out with uh, Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen and the boys. And uh, got to carry Eddie's guitar out to his limo. And I got to drink beers with... Uh, 
Eddie and Sammy and Michael Anthony and Alex. So that was pretty cool. It was a good day. Let's put it that way. All right. Anyway, let's move on here. So um, news and notes to get to. So uh, New York State has restored the liquor license of Joyce's Tavern. This is a story we told you about a couple of weeks ago. Following a nearly two-week stare down uh, with the eatery over an alleged COVID violation. Out of 200 state liquor authority imposed suspensions since March, the Joyce's matter marked just the second time that the authority has reversed course during the pandemic year. SLA Council Gary Meyerhoff noted during a special board meeting Wednesday, which was live-streamed on YouTube, Joyce's lost its license following a surprise visit by state inspectors during a 9-11 fundraiser on September 11th. Critics say the raid was political payback because the bar had just sued, among others, had just sued Governor Cuomo over his COVID-19 restaurant restrictions, outraged uh, people, uh, raised more than $69,000 for their legal defense. The SLA, of course, denied the political motivations. But the SLA contends the investigator who visited Joyce's was told by a co-owner that a group seated indoors had just finished eating a violation of the rules in place for over six months, which formed the basis of the suspension. However, the SLA said video evidence provided by Joyce's raised questions as to whether the person seated inside the Eltingville uh, bar and restaurant had been served dinner or were just sitting inside while waiting for an outdoor table to open up, which was the, the, the original story. They were sitting because they had been waiting for hours. They were waiting for a table to open up. They were not eating. While the suspension was lifted September 23rd, the charges remain, will continue to be investigated, says the SLA. Joyce still faces up to $20,000 in fines, uh, but their owners, they plan to use some of the money to pay their fines and give the remainder to other bars in similar straits. That, according to the Tavern's attorney, Louis Gellarmino, who told the New York Post. I mean, it's just, it's, it really is pathetic that the governor and the state liquor authority would find an establishment on 9-11 hosting a dinner to help out 9-11 uh, victims, survivors, people that are still dealing with this almost 20 years later. It's atrocious that the governor would do this. Atrocious. And then, of course, he wipes his hands clean of it and says, oh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't political payback. That's a bunch of nonsense. That's just my opinion. Now, here is a beer that is making a comeback, but will you drink it? That's the interesting thing. So born, back in, in New York City in 1842, Schaefer Beer was born. Schaefer. My beer is Schaefer, the dry beer, right? It was a sponsor of Mets games for years. Um, At the top of its game uh, in the 19th century, Schaefer was a staple uh, everywhere. Actually, the 20th century, not not the 19th century, the 20th century. The story was written incorrectly. Schaefer, of course, popular by the Mets, popular by the Brooklyn Dodgers before it. Um, Lots of people loved Schaefer. In fact, it was put on display for the masses uh, at the 1964 World's Fair. Um, but, you know, as tastes started to, um, I, I don't want to say evolve, but as tastes went away and started, they'd start, people started drinking more Budweiser and other um, macro beers that were available at the time. There weren't that many, but there were a few. Um, Schaefer closed its Brooklyn brewery in 1976. So it was the last time it was really brewed was, was in 1976, and they shifted operations. They were bought out and uh, was made by others, but the beer wasn't being made in New York City anymore. Fifty years later now, Pabst, a company that owns many legacy beer brands like Blue Ribbon, Strohs, Old Style, etc., but doesn't have a major production brewery of its own, has contracted FX Matt in Utica, New York, to brew the Heritage Beer. Now, uh, FX Matt brews Saranac beer. That's their family line of beer. But they're going to brew Schaefer beer. So now, um, but here's the problem that I have. This is not the first time that Matt's Brewing has done this. Um, in the early 2000s, they produced Rheingold beer. 
Um, oh, was that the Rheingold? Is my beer the dry beer? I think it was Rheingold was the dry beer. I don't remember if it was Rheingold or Schaefer. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I, I digress. And it, so um, Rheingold tried to come back in the early 2000s. It failed. Um, so this is kind of like your great-grandfather's beer. Are people going to embrace it with all the other options out there? Now, um, Pabst tapped 21st Amendment Brewery to reestablish Lucky Lager. That was a beer that was born in San Francisco in 1934, still available in some places in California. So uh, Schaefer uh, is going to – it's an American lager. It's less than 4%, incredibly light beer. It's basically water, right? But you got to – I mean, a six-pack has got to cost six, seven bucks for somebody to buy this. I just can't imagine – uh, that somebody is going to buy this beer at ten or twelve dollars a six pack. It's just not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. Six, seven dollars a six pack. You might have a shot. I don't know. I, as a nostalgia thing, I might try a Schaefer beer. Would I buy it and have it in my house? Probably not. There are a lot of other options out there. I get the nostalgia thing. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, going to work. So we will see what happens. Our good friends from Coronado Brewing. They've got a new beer out at all of their locations uh, this past weekend. It'll be hitting their full distro in a few weeks. It's a collab between them and Maui Brewing. It's called Tropical Tide IPA. Uh, they are calling it a juice bomb, so kudos to the folks from Coronado for getting that out there. And then the Brewers Association, before we take a break, um, released a report back on September 22nd that says um, they are talking about if um, Congress does not take action soon, uh, they, the study projects that well over a half a million jobs supported by the U.S. beer industry will be lost by the end of this year. These job losses include more than 3,600 brewery jobs, 1,800 distribution jobs, and 400,000 retail-related jobs. I'm assuming the retail-related is liquor stores, restaurants, and the like. Um, so they are – The Jim McGreevy, the president and CEO of the Beer Institute, says – Members of Congress should pass legislation to ensure our nation's beer industry does not face a $154 million annual tax increase next year, and state legislatures should not raise taxes on the beer industry to resolve budget shortfalls. These tax increases will only result in additional job losses for our nation's brewers and beer importers and the millions of Americans whose livelihoods uh, depend on them. Um, you know, beer sales, while certain things are up overall as a whole, the beer business you know, brewers are taking a big hit. We're talking about a lot of money. Uh, the uh, Craig Purser, the president and CEO of the National Beer Wholesalers Association, says the abrupt four shutdowns of bars, restaurants, hotels, arenas, and more during the busy spring season left at least one billion of perishable draft beer stranded in the marketplace, unable to be sold. We told stories during the pandemic of people just pouring out beer because they cannot, um, they couldn't sell it, and and you know, a lot of the draft business went by the wayside, so brewers shifted to cans, and that helps them in the short term. But I've spoken to a number of different brewers uh, in the state of New Jersey who say, look, we're paying our bills and we're paying our employees, but we're not making a ton of profit here. We're keeping the lights on, but that's about it. That's not good. We need to do something here. And in light of the fact that businesses are not opening up in certain areas of the country as quickly and, and people aren't going back to those businesses as quickly, such as indoor dining, et cetera, they're waiting out maybe a second wave of, of COVID-19. The, the government needs to do something, and I've been preaching this all along, the government needs to do something to help these people. Instead of having to pay more tax, they should be paying a little less tax. That's the key here. Can't keep raising their tax rates. Eventually, some of these brewers are going to go out of business. We'll get into it a little bit with Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the New Jersey Brewers Association, coming up in a little bit. But after this, more news and notes from around the beer world. Stick around. It's the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. 
Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast via email at Albert G at NYCRadio.com. Don't forget iTunes and uh, the soon to be departing Google Play. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can find all the shows on those two platforms. We're Alexa ready as well. We're on uh, radio.com. We're also on the iHeartRadio Network live. I don't think we're on there uh, afterwards, but you can also head over to the Hopped Up Network at thehoppedupnetwork.com. Monday mornings before 6 a.m., the podcast version of this show is up on that uh, particular website along with a plethora of others like my buddy Sean McNulty, who was on last week from Selling Craft Beer. His podcast is up there as well um, and a bunch of others. You definitely need to check them out. And uh, you know what? I should probably get some of the other hosts on that pro on those on the platform. I should get them to come on the program. I keep saying that, and I never remember it because I'm, you know, sometimes my brain is a little addled. What are you gonna What are you gonna do? Coming up in ten minutes, Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the New Jersey Brewers Association, will join me on the program. So much going on with B- New Jersey beer, uh, and wanted to talk to Alexis about that. That's going to take place about ten minutes from now. A little Sammy Hagar there. Uh, from Sammy Hagar on the Circle called The Bottom Line. Sammy actually announcing earlier this week his um, birthday bash at Cabo is going to be a little different this year. It will not be in Cabo. It will be off the coast of California. The general public will not be able to attend, but you're going to be able to watch it on pay-per-view. He's got a, you know, a one. I think it's like 30 bucks on pay-per-view. Uh, in the middle of October, they're going to tape it on a certain date, and then they're going to air it. Um, a few boats will be in the water that can actually watch the the show, but nobody will be physically on land, um, civilians, I would say, uh, to watch the show live. But uh, apparently the circle will be playing. Semi says there's going to be other guests, and he will announce those guests at a later date. When we get the information, we will get it over to you. But let's dive into some more news and notes. Lots to get to. Samuel Adams uh, is uh, reintroducing their when there are nine uh, their uh, beer uh, their four pack which is sold during the month of October the uh, the the beer will cost nine bucks it will only be available in the uh, Boston Brewery tap room and the Boston Samuel Adams Boston tap room uh, the um, the when there are nine it is a four pack and the proceeds of that of the entire sale are going to go to the Pink Boots Society. When They Are Nine is a brute-style IPA inspired by the beloved late justice um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which was released by the brewery back in March of 2019. Uh, This is um, brewed on International Women's Day for the annual Pink Boots Collaborative Brew, so they decided to come back out with it again, and they are donating the proceeds of every four-pack to the Pink Boot Society. That's very cool. So to be at Sam Adams Boston Brewery, 30 Germania Street in Boston, and also in the uh, tap room at 60 State Street in Boston. Pre-orders uh, will begin on October 9th for brewery or tap room pickup starting on October 15th when uh, while supplies last. So that is very cool there. Now, indoor dining has returned to New York City, but can it survive? So um, a restaurant on Staten Island... Um, I actually know the I, I I sort of know the guy that owns it. We used to hang out in the same circles. I don't think we know each other personally. We've seen each other at places. Richie Holmes owns uh, Juicy Lucy Barbecue, um, and he's reopening, but he's only going to be open three days a week. 
And th- he th- th- here's the reason why he said this. He said they're going to be open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, I think it's noon to 9 on Fridays and Saturdays, noon to 8 on Sundays. They're going to have two movies per day on those days, 5 o'clock and at 8.15 p.m. You can watch them from the parking lot in your car. Um, and what they're going to do, and he said, ba- basically, look, he said at 25% maximum capacity, logistically, it's a nightmare for him. He, it's a nightmare he doesn't want to re- wrestle with. His place has a 78-person capacity. 25% of that is roughly 20 people. So that's about four to five tables. And they have to cook all of their stuff the night before to serve it for the next day because brisket and ribs, all these things take a long time to cook, low and slow, right? So he can't have people sitting at his bar. Uh, they have to monitor all the people coming in. They have to take their temperature. They have to get personal information from at least one person in the group. There's a lot of things that they have to do here in order to make the business viable inside. It's easier for him to have stuff outside, weather permitting, of course. So he said he doesn't want to put his business in a situation where he's going to have to close his doors again. And so this is the reason why he's only opening three days a week. Now, his business is a little bit different from other indoor restaurants, but 25% capacity is barely going to pay the bills for some of these people. Now, again, I get it. It's a first step. But I think if we don't see a spike in two weeks, you've got to increase to 50%. Bottom line. Otherwise, these businesses aren't going to survive. Plain and simple. Now, a cool thing you can do to help out the Brewers Guild of New York City, and I want to thank, um, uh, let me make sure I get this right, Uh, One of the guys from Torch and Crown, Chris McClellan, uh, reached out to me. It was a story I was actually going to talk about this week because I saw it last week and loved it and loved the idea of it, and I think it's great. But Chris McClellan from uh, Torch and Crown sent this over to me and wanting to get some press on it and absolutely happy to support it. So the New York City Brewers Guild is doing their Blocktoberfest this year, but they have to do it differently. They have to do it virtually. So here's here's what they're going to do, which is really cool, and a lot of states can get involved in this. All you do is you go to nycbrew.com slash blocktoberfest-2020. I'll post the link on Twitter. Uh, It's already on our Facebook page. You can click on it. Once you click on it, you can get a variety of beer from different New York City breweries around the city. They will ship to 31 states this year, including New Jersey, uh, including Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, Ohio, Oregon, Washington, Wisconsin, Florida, Iowa, Wisconsin. Arizona, uh, I believe Alaska is in it, uh, Colorado, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Delaware. You can, I mean, 31 states, including New Jersey, which is great for New Jersey people. If you haven't gone over, you know, whatever. Anyway, the bottom line is you can get beer from these from these New York City brewers. Then they're going to do virtual events. You hold on to the beer. You're going to taste the different beers. So they have uh, two different groups. Group Group A and Group B, the deadline for ordering is October 6th, which is Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, right? If you order a 12-pack, you get at least one beer from each brewery in the group. If you order a 24-pack, you get at least two from each brewery in the group. Most of the beer is packaged in 16-ounce cans. So they have Group A and Group B. You select the box size, you go in, head to check out the shipping. I believe it's a flat shipping fee of $25.00. Or $35 outside of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut for each box of 24 beers or less. So if you're outside of the tri-state area, it's 35 bucks. If you're in the tri-state area, it's 25 bucks to ship. Flat fee. Then they have a, a group C or D. The deadline for ordering that is October 13th. And again, great breweries. You've got 18th Ward, Alewife, Brooklyn Brewery, Fifth Hammer, Gun Hill, Kelso, Other Half, uh, Randolph, Five Burrows, uh, Torch and Crown is involved, Flagship, 
Killsboro, Keg and Lantern, Evil Twin, Interboro, Coney Island, Big Alice Bridge and Tunnel, Grimm, all of these great breweries, Six Point, all are going to be involved in this for a Blocktoberfest. It is a great way to sample some great New York City beer. All the proceeds goes to the Brewers Guild. This is awesome. Again, nycbrew.com slash Blocktoberfest-2020. Yingling last year released their Hershey's Chocolate Porter. They did a porter with Hershey's Chocolate in it. Uh, it was only available on tap, but now, because of the success, this 4.7% ABV porter is returning. It will be bottled and it offered to their entire 22-state footprint for the duration of the winter while supplies last. You can get it in New York, in New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, Connecticut, Washington, D.C., Pennsylvania, all over uh, in their 22-state footprint. No word on if they are going to be uh, making it available with Molson Coors. I don't think so because that deal to get Yingling to the rest of the country is not going to be taking place until next year. So you guys will have to wait another year in order to get this. But in their 22-state footprint that Yingling controls right now, you will be able to get Hershey's Chocolate Porter. I'm excited because I didn't get a chance to try it, and I cannot wait to try it in the bottle. And then finally, staying in the state of Pennsylvania, our friends from Trogues uh, are releasing two beers for the fall season, the brand-new Hop Cyclone Hazy Double IPA and Master of Pumpkins, both available in 16-ounce cans for the first time ever. Hop Cyclone's Haze, uh, a grain bill of Pilsner malt, Vienna malt, and wheat. Um, they ha- It's a combination of Citra, Sabro, Simcoe, and Sultana hops uh, to get notes of ripe pineapple, soft citrus, and juicy peach. And then Master of Pumpkins, it's 3,000 pounds of Pennsylvania long-necked pumpkins grown especially for Trogues and nearby Strites Orchard. The brewery kitchen staff roasts the pumpkins in-house, passes them off to the brewing team, and then they puree the entire lot, put it right into the mash tun. Uh, you get a uh, sub- subtly spiced pumpkin ale featuring notes of nutmeg, cinnamon, caramel, and vanilla. They will both be available on draft and in 16-ounce cans everywhere Trogues beer is sold. That is very cool from the good folks at Trogues. And again, this uh, Blocktoberfest thing that I was mentioning it's just a great thing. You, you select the box size. In fact, I'm going to do it right here. Let's see. Where do they have to? Okay, so I'm going to select the 12-pack, quantity one. I'm going to add it to the cart. Let's see how much it, it comes up to. Head to checkout. Let's see how um, the checkout goes here. And uh, I might do this. I might have them just ship it right to the radio station. This way it's easier for me because, you know, obviously with, oh, that's not bad. You know what? 70 bucks, a flat fee of 20 So for $100, you're going to get 12 beers. You know, again, you got to pay the shipping. The shipping is twenty five bucks, so that's uh, you know that's obviously an expense that you have to deal with. But for seventy for for seventy dollars, you're going to get a, a twelve pack of beer from these various places. You don't even have to leave your home; they'll ship it right to you direct. That is very cool, and the proceeds go right to the New York City Brewers Guild. Love it. It's a great idea. When we come back, wouldn't it be great if New Jersey was able to do that? Hmm. Anyway, when we come back after a short break, I might ask that of Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the New Jersey Brewers Association. She will join me. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast, uh, right here on AM 970, The Answer. You can follow me on Twitter, at Algatulo. 
Instagram at Gatulo. That's G A T U L O. Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, uh, iTunes, we're uh, leaving Google Play because they're getting rid of it for YouTube music, which hasn't been a good experience for me so far. Uh, but you just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast on iTunes and you can, uh, you can listen to the shows there. You can sign up and subscribe as well. Alexa Ready as well. We're on radio.com, iHeartRadio, and you can also hear us. On the Hopped Up Network over at thehoppedupnetwork.com, all you have to do is go over there on Monday mornings before 6 a.m., and the podcast version of this show will be up. Now, my next guest here is the executive director of the Brewers Association of New Jersey. She helps many of the brewers and brew pubs throughout New Jersey to help navigate the mess that is the New Jersey legislature and, and so many other things, but she is incredibly helpful to a lot of those people out there. Let me welcome back to the program Alexis Deegan. Alexis, how are you? I'm well. Thanks, Al, for having me. You got it. Now, about 10 days ago, uh, you were in Trenton on behalf of the association to talk with New Jersey senators to lobby for a number of bills. Two of those bills ultimately ended up being tabled without coming to a vote. So let's discuss the good news first. The Senate Law and Public Safety Committee did vote to advance a bill that would extend the current summer season retail consumption licenses due to expire in mid-November until January 14th of 2022. That's a nod to this year's prohibition on selling alcohol for on-site consumption. But there was an amendment to this bill that wasn't passed. What happened there? So uh, the agenda, the new agenda for the uh, committee came out very late on Friday evening. And the senators felt concerned that due to the lateness of the hour that they received the uh, agenda, that they couldn't, in good faith, vote for these you know, new new measures. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the, the sponsor of the bill, after consulting him, agreed to advance the bill without the uh, uh, amendments to it. Okay. So the other bill the committee also didn't vote on was to create temporary and permanent privileges to breweries, wineries, distilleries, and other alcohol manufacturers within the state, including the ability to hold festivals, increase production limits, coordinate with local restaurants and food trucks, and deliver products directly to people's homes. Now, these are things, Alexis, as you and I both will, will agree here, that could directly help the brewers. I, I, don't, I want to take the distilleries and the wineries out of it for a second, but this is, this is something that can directly help the brewers uh, as we continue on in this pandemic and, and for the foreseeable future. Um, what were the senators' reasons for not voting on it? The fact that it had come so late, or did they feel that maybe some of the provisions in the bill would give them an unfair advantage? Well, so the the you know half of the senators were were concerned about the lateness that it came in front of them, right. uh, whereas you know it, Senator Cryan seemed to express some concerns that the the increase in barrelage limits for production would essentially make these establishments more like a bar. Now, you know, number one, those barrelage increases didn't help breweries at all. They, they were not aimed at breweries. They were aimed at brew pubs and uh, distilleries. So, uh, you know, number one, a brew pub has a liquor license, so a brew pub can act like a bar all at once because sure. it's paid for that privilege. Number two, how increasing the you know, the ability to produce more of a product makes a distillery like a bar um, is, is I, I don't understand that, that concern. You mm-hmm. know, if you're producing more, it just means that you can sell more. And chances are you're, up, you're increasing your production so that you can sell more at distribution. So, like, that's an attempt to get, you know, more of your product into bars instead of um, your tasting room. Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, I just, uh, I, I was a little baffled by that because obviously in the state of New Jersey, if you're a brewery, all you can sell is beer. 
You can't sell anything else. Right. You and can't sell food. Correct. You can't sell. I mean, you could sell a bottle of water. You could sell a bag of pretzels, but that's not essentially food unless you're in New York and you want a bag of Cuomo chips to have your drink with that. You know, the governor decided that you have to buy food when you're getting something. So I, I get that part of it. I just don't understand, um, especially, I, I don't know. I, I've been banging my head over this for so long with with, with the state legislatures in New Jersey. Um, right. This is a burgeoning industry in the brewers where there is tax revenue coming into the state. And yet it seems like, to me, at least my perception, um, that the state is trying to do things to stifle this business from growing when the state needs tax revenue. I, it, it just baffles my mind. Yeah, you know, it, it, it is a short-sighted uh, approach to the situation. And, and that, you know, I had mentioned, I said to the, the Senator Cryan, and, and I'm making this point in, you know, in meetings that we have with legislators, just like educating the fact that, like, you know, a bar is able to buy and sell all of the alcohol, right? right? And a brewery, any any alcohol manufacturer in the state can only sell what they produce. Right. Um, that's that's the fundamental difference between a bar and a brewery or other alcohol manufacturers. And that's what they're paying for with that license, that exclusive right to sell any liquor that they want. Um, that is a powerful tool. It is it is certainly something that you know they 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 have paid a premium for and they expect to receive a premium for when they you know, then sell that liquor license. I understand that. Um, but there are some significant differences between a bar and a brewery. And quite frankly, at the end of the day, a liquor license gives you the op- ability to sell, buy and sell liquor. It doesn't give you, you know, the exclusive right to behave in a certain way. Uh, right. That's our position. Um, and so, yeah, you know, the the breweries, the distilleries, we're, we're all generating, you know, significant tax revenue for the state and you know unlike the wineries and, and no no bones to the wineries i i wish i had this i, I you know all my hat off to them because they've fought this fight you know for for decades when we're, we've only been fighting it for a year for years um you know the wineries get that excise tax back as right. a grant to for operations for their you know um, promotion and other you know investments in the wine industry, uh, all, all our excise tax goes to the general fund or to the ABC's operations. So, you know, we are we are generating revenue for the state. And, and, you know, in a time of crisis where the state is losing money, obviously because our economy is so uh, slowed down, mm-hmm. uh, you would think that the legislature would be jumping at the opportunity to uh, support that business. Right. We're talking um, with Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the Brewers Association of New Jersey. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And and you're right, Alexis. The other the other part of it is, you're right, here's the brewers are giving all this money over to the state. And, and I'm not saying that they don't get anything in return, but they should be getting a little bit more in return for what they're putting out, especially that they're contributing uh, to the taxes uh, of the state of New Jersey. But the what what baffles me and what I don't understand why some of these legislatures don't understand and legislators don't understand is that a person who opens up a bar, say I open up a bar and I get I buy a liquor license, right? Because I can't just go to the state and, and fill out a form and get one. You have to buy that liquor license from that particular town of whoever owns it. It's a commodity for that person. If a restaurant goes out of business, their profit is based on if they have an al- a, a, a liquor license, an alcohol consumption license. That's a commodity to them. They can sell it for whatever price they want. So I, that's where I don't understand. That's why, obviously, 
again, I think you and I agree on this. The liquor <laughs> license the laws. Here. You're right. literally saying my defense. <laughs> right. The, 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 liquor, the liquor licenses in New Jersey have to be changed. They have to be changed to brought, be brought to the 21st century so that everybody gets a fair shot. Now, I know that these, some of these senators will say, well, that'll promote too much drinking and this and that. I think we've shown that we're responsible enough, or the brewer, I shouldn't say we, brewers are responsible enough that they're not over-serving people, that people are not getting behind the wheel and, and, and drinking and driving. They're being responsible. They're following the letter of the ABC law uh, in, within the state. We, we ha- th- something has to be done to help these businesses get more money. I've talked to a number of different brewers, Alexis, and all of them have said to, essentially the same thing. Hey, we're making money right now during the pandemic, but that's keeping the lights on and keeping the beer going and paying our employees. It's not like we're making hundreds of thousands of dollars in profit. We're surviving, but for how long, you know? Right. Well, and so there's there's two there's 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 one there's a cognitive dissonance there, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there's there's an argument that says that um, if the the same people that argue that if we expand permissions for breweries and other alcohol producers. Essentially, at some point, and I, and I want to go back and, and listen to this testimony, I, 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 they literally were like, people will be dying in the streets from drunk drivers, right? That just mm. the rampant alcoholism will be, you know, it was very doom language. These same people also argued that we shouldn't be increasing liquor licenses or, or brew, you know, breweries, et cetera, because the excise tax hasn't increased. The, the, you know, the taxes on the sale of alcohol hasn't increased. So the consumption of alcohol hasn't increased. So it's like you can't have it both ways. Right. You can't, you know, on one hand say people are going to be, you know, rampant alcoholics and then at the same time say that people aren't drinking more now that we have all of these they're just drinking in different places <laughs> right it's so, it's 25 I mean, people that, across that the state me. Yeah. <laughs> it's 25 people across the state drinking kegs of beer because they have kegerators in the house they're the only people drinking i get it it's just it's absurd sure. uh, yeah i mean and, and and on top of that too you know right these these are permissions that we're just honestly, most of it is just because there's so much of this that we can't take advantage of right now anyway, mm-hmm. and it's only for the duration of the the capacity limitations, right? So, right. you know, you the likelihood of a brewery holding a festival, mind you, bars and restaurants who have liquor licenses are also allowed to hold festivals under this bill. Right. They're also allowed to under this bill um, do monthly. Uh, single ticket price, unlimited serving uh, events. So, if you wanted to do a fifty dollars whiskey tasting at a bar, right. where a you know the the person comes in, they buy a, a fifty dollars ticket, they they can taste all of the whiskey that they want. Um, that's something that bars can't do right now, but they can do under this bill, and it's something that breweries and other alcohol producers can't do. So, you know, there's something else that's like, you know, kind of like, hey, let's let's pay attention. There are things in here for bars and restaurants to take advantage of during the pandemic as well. Sure. Um, so, you know, it really is some of the measures that we're really looking for, you know, this unlimited events, right? Hmm. It's really just so to take the burden off of both the breweries and the ABC of having to track, you know, how many times they have an event. Right. And, and we're not talking like ragers. Again, all of these places are, are, are aware that they have to stay within the, the capacity limitations and the social distancing limitations of their spaces. So we're not talking, you know, these like crazy house party style, you know, events. We're talking 
a, a patent sip night. We're right. talking, you know, an acoustic, you know, a live acoustic guitar. And and most of these places, they're contracting with other local businesses. Right. So, you know, yes, this this these measures absolutely help breweries and other alcohol producers, but they also help the local businesses in their towns because it gives these businesses another outlet to make money. You know, it gives these businesses another outlet for promotion on social media mm-hmm. and, you know, to spread the word. And you're, when you're attracting more people to your town in a time of crisis where people are worried about going out and they're, they're being very selective about where they go, you know, if you can do, a, you know, an event where you are, you know, come to come into a paint and sip night, right? You know, put on by the local pottery shop in town. And while you're here, consider buying food from the restaurant down the road and having it brought in. And at the same time, we're going to have some great background music for you. Like, how delightful does that sound? That's right. And all of it supporting local business and, cr- and contributing to tax revenue within the state. It's a no-brainer. I don't get it. Alexis, I got 30 seconds how can people help uh, to, to further these bills to try and get them passed? What can they do to contact their state legislators? They can go on the legislature's website. We have a link to it on our Facebook page. Um, you know, they, there's a list of find your legislator, find your town, find your legislator. Give them a call. Tell them you'd like to support New Jersey's local businesses by voting for A4319 or S2681. My guest has been Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the Brewers Association of New Jersey. Just go right over to Facebook to facebook.com slash NJBR. The link is there to contact your state senators uh, if you live within the state of New Jersey to help them to, uh, to or, or ask them to promote these bills. Alexis, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it. Al, thank you so much. It's always great. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, the final segment of the program, of course, as always, is suds and duds. It's in the way that you use it from Eric Clapton, of course, uh, from the um, movie of... I can't believe I'm forgetting the title of this movie with Tom Cruise and Paul Newman. Oh, my God. I, I have totally blanked on the movie. I've totally blanked on the movie, and I don't have a lot of time here. I don't have a, I can't believe, uh, and now I have to do a Google search. Uh, let's, uh, the color of money. Jeez, the, my goodness gracious. That's terrible. That's a bad job out of me. Bad job out of me. Anyway, uh, a little kooky here in the, in the last segment of the show. I know we went a little long with Alexis Deegan from the uh, New Jersey Brewers Association, but definitely well worth it. Let me dive right into Suds and Duds. Lots of beers to get to here, uh, 13 in all. So started off with the um, state-of-the-art series from Industrial Arts Brewing, the Hazy Locale uh, from them. Picked this up over at uh, Beverage Island on Staten Island. They've recently reopened a new facility uh, on the north shore of Staten Island. It is fantastic. So I got this. This is a really good, tasty, hazy IPA, and it's only 3.9% ABV. It's really good. If you're looking for something that's thirst-quenching, refreshing, that doesn't have a ton of calories and doesn't have a lot of ABV in it, this is definitely the beer for you. Uh, I would suggest that Industrial Arts makes this beer full-time. I would buy it hands down. Uh, got a chance to check out a beer from Killsboro, Iridescent. The peach is nice. 
but I really dug the hibiscus and the lemon peel in it. It works perfectly with the milk sugar, pours a nice, nice, beautiful red. Uh, really enjoyed this beer uh, from the guys at Killsboro. Founders had sent me a couple of cans of their Mas Agave, their premium hard seltzer. I had the strawberry version of it. Um, much better than other seltzers that I've had. A lot of the other seltzers I've had have tasted artificial to me. The flavoring tastes artificial. The strawberry tastes fresh. It's got a freshness to it. It's got a it's got a nice berry burst to it that doesn't make my make me kind of with my with my throat. Um, however, not for uh, you know dieting purposes. Seven grams of carbs in this, so I think that might be why. It's got a little bit more taste in it, so it's definitely not something that you would drink dietary, but if you like hard seltzers, uh, the Founders Masagave uh, Strawberry one, very good. I still have two other cans that I have to try, but that one was excellent. As we continue here with Suds and Duds on the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Brick City always hits it out of the park for me. Breakfast for lunch, all day, every day. The color of it is beautiful, kind of like an, like an apricot peach kind of thing, sweet yet smooth. Just really nice, good stuff from Brick City all the time. Again, Magnify impressing me yet again. Really starting to like these guys. I might actually have to pick up some cans from these guys. I am really have really been impressed lately with their beers. The Double Dry Hopped Citra Polo by Magnify. Uh, hazy, juicy, just really good. Uh, was out with friends for dinner uh, over the weekend at our usual place at Paragon Tap and Table, and we certainly uh, had a few uh, that night. And then uh, the... Uh, Tom Funk, one of the bartenders there, I wanted something different because I'd had a lot of the beers on tap already, uh, and I always like to try new stuff. He goes, I got a can for you that you will like. Uh, I guarantee you haven't tried it. He was absolutely right. Um, Eager to share the Galaxy by Marlo Artisanal Ales. Man, this is a slamming pale ale. Just a great bite to it, a really good kind of orange juicy haze to it, a fantastic beer. Uh, Really like the stuff uh, from Marlo Artisanal Ales. The good folks from... Uh, Duclaw Brewing, and I have to thank uh, Madeline Caldwell, uh, Mads, as she likes to be called. She sent me a couple of beers uh, from the brewery, and I can't thank her enough. The first one that I had from them, and I'll get to the other two in subsequent weeks, the Sour Me Strawberry Rhubarb Pie. Boy, I'll tell you, what a great mix of strawberry and rhubarb. A well-balanced sour. It was fantastic. I so enjoyed drinking it. Uh, In fact, didn't have a full glass of it. Gave a little to my wife. She liked it, but the strawberry and rhubarb really, really uh, fit perfectly in this beer. It was great. Thanks so much, Mads, for the beer. Very much appreciated. We'll get to the others uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, Last Saturday, had to go down to Source to pick up my beer that I had ordered, and what ended up happening was uh, they had just opened for indoor service. So uh, Phil Petraka, one of the owners, he's like, hey, why don't you come in? And I said, well, I'm just picking up the beer and leaving. we got you know stuff to do. Ah, come on, we're doing indoor dining. We'll get you a seat, no problem. Sure enough, we go upstairs. We had a nice seat on the couch. They brought us a couple beers. One of them that I ended up having instead of trying it in the can, I had it on tap. The SoCal Westie by Source, a really good West Coast IPA, but has a nice softness to the bitter bite to it. That's what I liked about it. It it reminded you of the West Coast, but it had that softness to it that you could kind of, all right, I could drink a couple of these. This is not bad. Great stuff from Source. As always, they knock it out of the park. Had a Vine and Stefaner Fest beer. This is a great bit. Listen, Vine and Stefaner has been brewing beer since 1040, right? They know what they're doing. Four ingredients. They really knock it out of the park, and everything that they do is fantastic. It's natural. It's delicious. If you're looking to really get into those 
those um, European beers, Vine and Stefaner is definitely the way to start. Stopped over at Twin Elephant because they were releasing some stuff. They released another version of the Swarm, which I missed last time. My goodness, the flavor on this one. Smooth, the honey. I could drink 10 of these. So good. Went down so nice and easy. And you really, that, that taste of the local honey, again, brilliantly done. Well done, Twin Elephant. And the other beer that I didn't think that they would have, but they did have, was the Nosh, the Simcoe and Strata. So they ended up having, still having four packs of it. I ended up getting a four pack of that. Super smooth, fruity, delicious, and excellent beer. Uh, really loved it a lot. Um, had a stovepipe can left of 20th Plus Bull with Jelly. Uh, this is basically Bolero's uh, version of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it's been sitting in my fridge since January. And they keep saying, drink it fresh, drink it fresh, drink it fresh. fresh. But I've had it uh, you know, perfectly refrigerated. And let me tell you something. It's a great beer to share because it's in a stovepipe can. It's almost 20 ounces. So um, uh, poured out, you know, half a glass of each uh, for me and my neighbor. We were sitting in a fire. We had a little fire going in his backyard. It was just a really nice night to kind of just sit back, chill, relax. And um, it's a great beer. You get that peanut butter flavor. You get the chocolate. You get the, cher- the, the grape from the jelly. Excellent stuff. And then finally... You're Not Welcome by Low Gill Brewery in Ireland. And I got this at Nosvino in Westfield, great little liquor store in, in uh, Westfield. They are really knocking it out of the park with their selections. Uh, like a liquid blueberry pie. It's a pastry, sta- it's a pastry uh, sour, but it was delicious. That's how the guy described it to me. And I said, you sold me. I grabbed two cans. Excellent beer. Delicious. Not too puckery, but just enough of that sourness. And you really get that blueberry in there and kind of the crust. Uh, of a blueberry pie, fantastic beer, loved it. Uh, good stuff from the folks at Logill Brewery, uh, which is located actually in Ireland. Folks, we're out of time. My thanks to Alexis Deegan, the executive director of the uh, New Jersey Brewers Association. Uh, my thanks to everybody else who is involved in this show, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at six a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>